welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, a podcast from the Orange Students team. Our mission is to help you, the youth leader, influence the next generation. And we do that through this podcast, other resources, and our weekly curriculum, XP3. If you'd like to learn more, check out orangestudents.com. But for now, let's get started with this week's episode. Hey friends, welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry. I'm CJ, and this week I'm joined by Ashley. Hey! Charlie. Hi! And Tyreek. How's everybody doing? And this week on the podcast, we're talking about how to create trainings your volunteers and small group leaders actually want to attend. Uh, Keyword being want. And we're talking about this because we believe small groups are the most important part of our youth ministry programming, which means... If our small group leaders especially aren't trained and equipped to lead those small groups well, then kind of in some ways we're leaving up the most important part of what we do week to week uh, kind of up to chance, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So before we dive into things though, I want to ask you three, what's been the most creative or engaging, I guess, training event you've either put on or attended uh, in ministry? Can you think of anything? Yes. Yeah? Mm -hmm. What you got? So we did a training for our new sixth grade leaders that were getting ready to lead in our middle school ministry. And what we did was we had them go to a middle school. So we, well, actually they came to the church first. We bused them over on a school bus, literally, to the middle, the local middle school. And we had all of our trainings done in classrooms and in the gym. We had lunch there. So it was literally putting them in the shoes of the students that they would be serving. Well, right off the bat, Tyreek, this is one of the reasons I was really excited you were going to be on this today because I was at that event because at the time you were my small group, uh, small group director, I mm-hmm. guess. Yep. And so I was at that training event and uh, I have never experienced a training event quite like that. I'm sure we'll dive into that a little bit more later. So we'll hit pause on that. But I want to hear from uh, you two, Ashley and Charlie. Well, I was going to actually say the exact same event that you two were talking about because I was also there. Um, And so I don't know if you want me to. Well, I wasn't there. And I'm thinking my sanctuary trainings were a real bore right now. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know anything that has been more creative than that training. So I'm so excited to talk about it. I attended Mr. Wesley's breakout at that training. Do you have a a runner-up thing that you can think of, Ashley? Are there any other training events or things you've attended? that stick out in your mind? So I guess I would say my runner up, the one that pops into my mind first, isn't as much like an experience like that, but we had all the small group leaders in the same room for actually a full day. This happened to be this training because it was also a kickoff day, Um, but it was like the gauntlet time that ended up being a few hours long and it was pass around this bowl and each small group leader pulled a piece of paper out, would read the scenario and have to know how to respond right on the spot. and would have to respond to the room in front of everyone. And then we would all talk about like, what are some different ways we could have responded or what was awful about that (laughs) and what thoughts went through your head to try to get them ready for real scenarios. That's hard. That sounds awesome and awful at the same time. (laughs) That is, but hey, yeah, I can see why that's memorable though. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you said a lot. You might have said a lot of things you regret. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I didn't say it was great. <laughs> Just kidding. It was great. Um, well, okay. So we'll kind of circle back. I'm sure to some of these here in a few minutes. But I kind of want to start with uh, the question. So why do we even need to be, or maybe what kinds of things do we need to be training our small group leaders on? Why are we even having some of these events in the first place? After all, talking to students is just having a conversation, right? No. Oh, okay. No. I think 
anytime you're entrusting someone else's child to an adult, they have to be trained, whether that's on like, if kids are hurting themselves, what to mm -hmm. do, like they're mandated reporters. So I think there's a certain level of training just for safety's sake that goes there. I think they may need to be trained, like certain situations don't all need to be broadcast to everybody. So they need to know how to, what needs to be confidential and what can't be confidential. Um, so I think things like that, and then just how to do your, to be a, a to do your job well, right? Like the, the best small group leaders I've seen are the ones that have plans, they're thorough, they're able to, um, communicate well with parents and all those things are things that if you're not that type of person, you may not necessarily have the best experience, but if we can give you some type of best practices or training, it le it lifts everybody up. That's good, that's good. I think for me, most of my small group leaders were older and, and I say that kindly, but it was definitely the 65 and older crowd mm -hmm. who it might've been a hot minute since they've sat in a circle with a sixth grader or even a 12th grader at that point. Yeah. So it's good to refresh them what students are about, who they are, yeah. what phase they're in. And then um, it equips them to find more longevity in your ministry. I've sat down yeah. with volunteers at a church that I transitioned into that this particular leader had been serving for 25 years and no one had ever sat and talked to him ever mm. i'm thinking gosh how'd you know what you were supposed to do and he was like i just showed up but to me just showing up isn't a small group leader right totally also it's shocking that he stayed for 25 years yeah having never been like acknowledged but that heart like he loves students he loved the ministry he loved the church right but think about what he could have been doing in those 25 years if he totally. had been trained yeah and i think a big part of the volunteer training and the importance of it is like you were mentioning Tyreek, um, just knowing how to have those conversations, but also like volunteers want to be poured into mm -hmm. and they want to be recognized. And every volunteer that walks in your environment has a fear about what they're walking into. Oh, yeah. So if you never acknowledge the fear or never help them kind of give them the skills to navigate that, yeah. then I would assume they probably don't want to sign up again next year. Yeah. Okay, I laugh at that because my husband, Eric Condor, um, he was like, well, I'll volunteer, but I don't want to do. and. I was a rookie youth pastor and needed someone. I was like, just come and hang out. Mm. He goes, how do you hang out? <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't joking. Like he's such an introvert. He's like, I have no idea how to hang out. I totally get him so much. <laughs> I, I don't Did even he know. come? <laughs> he came. That's so sweet. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't even know if I've met your husband, but I feel like I could, I've connected with him a little bit. <laughs> Maybe just emotionally. But also, I think the language that people use around small group leaders are they're your um, they're your youth pastors, right? Yeah. You wouldn't want a youth pastor that wasn't, you wouldn't want a regular pastor who wasn't trained of some sort, you know what I mean? And so if they have the most important job, um, why wouldn't we be all on one accord on what that, how that job is done well? Yeah, you know I mean? mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, it sounds like, uh, if I could reiterate a little bit, going back to what you were saying a few minutes ago, there's a minimum training bar here uh, uh, when it comes to things like safety and that kind of a thing. Yep. All the way up to, there are so many things leading up to, uh, yeah, training your small group leaders to be the pastors of their groups and of their students and everything in between that. Uh, if we aren't having these conversations, if we aren't setting up these events, we really truly are just leaving things up to chance and just turning a blind mm -hmm. eye to some of those things. Um, now to kind of dive a little bit deeper though, the title of this episode was Creating Training Small Group Leaders and Volunteers Want to Attend, which suggests that maybe sometimes that people don't don't want to attend these kinds of trainings and events. And I would ask why. And I specifically want to ask Charlie why, because before we started recording, Charlie was sharing some of her frustrations offline with small group leader <laughs> trainings. And okay. I would love to put you on the spot. Well, 
Transitioning from a full-time youth pastor to a full-time volunteer, I now get to attend these world world-changing um, small group leader trainings and uh as, as a as a small group leader yeah as a small now. group leader so you're on the other side a volunteer in my church a leader in my church and um it's the biggest waste of time i've ever experienced <laughs> guys i'm not joking no, listen we're, we're, okay so okay. i totally and i'm feeling really you. embarrassed no no no, no people you're not the only volunteer that feels this way yeah. Everybody watching this episode, plug, you can actually watch this episode on YouTube if you want to. Everyone on this episode just raised their hand and said, I agree with Charlie. I've been to a boring training event before. I think that what volunteers really want is a meaningful volunteer training, not a meaningless one. And right. I think that's what we need to determine here in this conversation is what is so meaningless about it? And then what is it that makes it meaningful? Because mm. I think that's when they want to come. Well, that's I good. think it's also youth pastors that don't know how to train. They don't know what small group leaders need to be trained on. And then how do they present it in a way that is meaningful to the person who just gave up two hours on the Sunday afternoon when she could have been taking a nap? All right, so Ashley, you said determining the difference between meaningless and meaningful, we've got to figure that out because yeah, no one wants to attend uh, something that's meaningless. But what makes a training event especially meaningless? Uh, I would say the first thing that comes to mind is anything that is like logistical that could be emailed. Now I understand volunteers aren't reading the email, so you need them to have the information, but I cannot take, like we condition our volunteers not to read emails hmm. when we invite them to a meeting and we go over all logistics or all the details they need to know for camp, amen. in my humble opinion. Can I amen that? Because that was number one on my list. Oh really? my gosh, yes. it drives me up a wall. But that requires a lot of preparation on the youth workers part because they're also you know, preparing all these details, but then they have to prepare what's the next level for the volunteers. So I think the other thing that came to mind was like, um, sometimes I think we as youth leaders do put that time in but we never actually make the connection for our volunteers of what this has to do with what we're doing. So mm -hmm. for example, one time I went to a training where we were given this thing of Play-Doh. Okay. Also, I'm not a fun person, so I don't really like games. I'm like, listen, <laughs> I gotta play with these middle schoolers all oh the time. Gosh. You're not and a fun person. I'm, I'm not, not a fun person. That. So I'm like, I don't wanna Nobody play more games. That. Just Nobody give me that. free coffee or something, but I don't wanna play games, but this is just me. Maybe it's just my personality. But so they give us this thing of Play-Doh and they're like, we want you to mold the personality of an eighth grader. Hmm. Oh my gosh, I would've went home. And like, I'm like, first hold on, of all, hold on, hold I, I just wanna go home when you say that. <laughs> Pause, Tyreek, I need to know what you would mold out of Play-Doh to represent. It was just boop, just squish just, it. Just squish it. <laughs> like a pile of poop on the table. Like, right. Okay, and you're right. talking to someone who loves phase stuff. Like I love talking about like what makes a personality of an eighth grader or what are some, you know, common things you see. Mm -hmm. But what happened was in that training, there was no conversation then about what did that have to do? What were the common threads we saw? And what does that have to do with who we're working with? So you could have this really great activity that becomes awful because you never connected to what was the purpose of that. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times our meaningless trainings happen because we're not thinking about how to connect it to a bigger picture. And I have one more thing to say. I'm sorry, yeah, I'm talking you're good. a lot. No, I have a lot of thoughts it. around this. Is I think a lot of times we schedule trainings as we know we're supposed to, but we don't actually have any purpose to them until it's the night before or two days before. Amen. Like, oh shoot, we have a meeting on Sunday. <laughs> have you done what that, should Charlie? we talk about? I have not done that, but I went to that training. <laughs> okay. Right? And I think I think 
think you should never schedule a meeting unless you have something to train them on. So amen. that's why a strategy is so important. I'm just going to aim in the whole cycle. episode here. Oh, and one more thing. Every training should lead to something. Like it's, they're all connected somehow and they're leading you to the next step forward. It's not just like random, 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 random. They all should somehow lead to each other. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the tension of like, making these type of trainings, right? Cause like, there's the people who don't, who are like, just give me the information so I can go home. Yeah. When there's other people who like that Play-Doh, like bless their souls. Like they love that type of stuff. And so it's, it's, it's trying to find, like they left thinking like, yo, I just molded a piece of clay. And this is like molding the souls of my students. I'm so ready for this semester. Like it, it's that balance of like, how can you be, cause I believe it's a sin to be boring. Like I, I really believe that. Um, and I think, it's that way, it's that middle ground of like, how can we be engaging and entertaining and informative that's meaningful and it goes somewhere. But I think if you say that, exactly. that's what connects it. Yeah. Some of you are thinking this, some of you might be thinking this and like acknowledging mm -hmm. it. Right. I think that's where we drop the ball sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I would agree with that too. And uh, you know, we, we talked about that training that was done in a middle school uh, yep. when we opened this episode. And I can't remember, honestly, if this was said explicitly or not, but like part of that training was uh, we played dodgeball. And I don't remember if anyone said, hey, we're playing dodgeball because it's going to help you identify with the middle school phase. I don't know if anyone said that or not, but uh, even though I am, te I tend to be that kind of person who's like, uh, I just want the information and then I want to go home. I pushed myself to, nope, I'm going to be here. I'm in this middle school. I'm going to play dodgeball because I I need to take steps to continue to identify with this mm. phase. Mm -hmm. So there's that there's that side of things too, that even though sometimes we have those kinds of small group leaders, you know, personality types who are, let me get in the information and go, or mm -hmm. the other side, I just want to hang out and talk and during this thing, I don't want all these, you know, actual training stuff. Like mm -hmm. sometimes you need the other piece of that too, um, to be a well-rounded, I guess, maybe small group leader. Yeah, but I definitely think the, you should start with, why are we doing this? Right, yeah. yeah. That should be like the first question. What's funny is we we had we have a training on Monday for our small group leaders. And we were, getting, we were going through all this thing that like, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this. And I was like, hold on, wait a minute. Like, why are we meeting this? And let's ask the question like, what makes a bad training and what makes a good training so we can, hash out what we shouldn't do and what we should do. Wow, that's good. Here's what I think though, honestly, after attending um, a couple of bad trainings, I'm wondering if youth pastors who don't have 15 years of experience know how to lead a good training. H who's equipping them and teaching them how to do this? I mean, I don't point. have the answer, but I know when I first started, I had boring, like I said, we met in a sanctuary. Um, what if I could have went to a middle school or something? I mean, I didn't even know that was possible. Well, and when I started out, I didn't know that there were resources out there that would right. help me do a good training. Yep. Like yeah. who would equip me? And I've already thought through a lot of that stuff. I so I think it's putting the right that. resources in people's hands, but you're right. If you're new to being a youth pastor, if you're new to small groups in general, right? If your church is just shifting to a small group ministry, mm -hmm. how do you even know how a small group leader is supposed to lead or supposed to look like? I mean, there's a lot of pieces to that. Yeah. And I think everyone out there that does these needs to understand that like you only get so many shots before you start losing volunteers, yes. right? That's, With every that's bad training, there it's harder to get more people to come to the next one. And so it's super important that you do this because if you don't train people, they're I not gonna be on back. the same page. You're gonna <laughs> lose volunteers. The experience that the students are gonna have isn't gonna be as good. So it's super important to get this right. And you That's need good. to be thinking about that. 
That's good. I also wonder if sometimes we put so much effort into our weekly programming for students that these kinds of things, I guess so, someone hinted at that earlier. You're thinking about it the night before. Yeah. Uh, but that we drop the ball on this because uh, we think that our volunteers and small group leaders, quote unquote, have to attend this. Mm-hmm. So as long as we get them in the room, we're fine. But uh, but the more we can keep our events and, and training events engaging, I think the better chance we have of uh honestly retaining volunteers too yeah well yeah and the energy then goes to retaining volunteers rather than recruiting because everybody mm. knows recruiting volunteers is no small task yep. yeah and when you kind of can shift your energy to how do i retain them so i don't have to use as much energy recruiting um i feel like that's when you see a huge culture shift mm. for the positive that's good for sure can i just ask a question mm. uh i'm sorry i mean i know i'm not hosting okay, or anything i just really <laughs> want to ask a question though because i've attended the bad trainings um you got your one shot you got your two shot with me i'm not coming back to be honest mm. can we just not record this and post on social media somewhere so i don't have to li- miss my nap that's a great Does question. Does that sound no. so whiny? I so, want to rewind. I found it so whiny, but like really though, I don't want to give up my Sunday afternoon. No, I think that's a totally fair, totally fair question that are there different kinds of trainings? Right. Somewhere they maybe are in the same room and somewhere they are virtual. I'm in. Yeah, we yeah. We, we broke. When I, um, when I was in transit, that was something that we had to realize was like, you know, you can, some things just needs to be an email we send out. Some things need to be a video like, oh, don't forget to blah, blah, blah. Like, I think it was like a be rich or something. Like we did like a be rich, like logistics video and we just sent it out to everybody. But then there's other, there's two, but then there's others where I think we need to be in the building when it's the content is serious and whatever. But I also think there, it matters if volunteers have a shared experience beyond mm-hmm. just serving with students. Which is um, why we all talked about that one training being so right, great. It right. was a shared experience. Right, because I think if we just are all siloed, it's like I'm leading, you're leading, you're leading, and the, I think it could feel isolated, it could feel lonely. Now, if you're the type of person where you're just killing it, cool, but if you're struggling, it's like, who do I talk to? Where do I go? And I think when you can create shared experiences, it helps, it raises everybody's experience as a leader. Yeah. That's good, that's, that's good. good. So virtual trainings are on the table. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. That's, Facebook Live, yeah, right? And Why that not? doesn't that doesn't mean it has to be some crazy production either. No, yeah, you I can mean, use your cell phone, right? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so I want to go ahead and turn the corner. What all goes into a great training event for volunteers and small group leaders? And I want to start uh, with you, Tyreek. How did you guys rent out a middle school to Man. host a training event? So first, we have to give credit where credit's due. Uh, Buckhead Church Transit was doing stuff like this first and we heard about it. We were like, oh, we want to do our own version of it. So shout out to Terrence and all them down there at Buckhead Church Transit doing an amazing job. But for us, it was once we, I think like you said, like who does, like who goes to an on-site meeting at like a middle school. But for us, because we had built a relationship with that principal, we were able to call her and say, Mm -hmm. hey, um, we have people that are going to be serving your students. We want to put them in middle schooler shoes. Can mm-hmm. we rent out or can we use your uh, use the school over the summer when no one's there for a couple of hours for a training? And the principal was like, yeah, like we have a great relationship. We know y'all. We love y'all and what y'all do and our students benefit from what y'all do. Absolutely. And I would say yeah. the wow. part of the way you built that relationship is you do service projects with that school, service correct? Projects, Over yep. a period of years. All of that, yep. Was there anything else that helped you build that relationship? I think that was the biggest thing. I think being consistent, like the service part, and she saw that like we cared for those mm-hmm. students and for those families. And so with the service projects, whether it was um, 
buying Christmas gifts or whether it was stuff like that. I think the principal just saw that like, oh, they're not here just to preach, preach, preach and tell everybody they're sinners, whatever, whatever. No, they, they really love these students. They want to see these students grow and mature. So yeah, so we had a relationship with the principal and we had a relationship with basically like the person that like was like the top counselor, like rank, like did a lot, of, like I guess it was like their community connect in a sense, right? And so we would do back to school stuff. We would do Christmas stuff with them. And I think just having that relationship, they, we invited them to come to church and they came and they got to see what we do. Mm. And I think that just led to a, when we, when it was time for an ask, it wasn't this, it wasn't like, a, oh, let me think about it. It was like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like no one's gonna be here, like y'all yeah. got it. So yeah. I love that just because uh, it wasn't just an email, someone on your team shot into the abyss into some middle school's you know inbox. Like, right. hey, how much does it cost to rent out your middle school? Exactly. It's like it all started with a relationship that was honestly, I assume, years in the making. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say there's probably people listening right now who are thinking you invited them the school, the public school to church and they came. Like it sounds like a very in the South thing that would happen. Yes. So there's definitely differences in That's our country point. for sure. Um, and you can totally do this in a non-school environment too. Like if you Absolutely. don't have that in or that relationship or that's just not a thing in yeah. your area of the country, like it doesn't have to happen at a school. It just was so cool that it did yeah. Yeah. because that's where kids are. Yeah. yeah, and I think part of it was they were like, there was no students there. Yeah. So it wasn't like we're going into classrooms and things of that nature um, with students in it. But I do think the relationship it was a, it was a it was definitely a benefit for us yeah you we had a, a school assembly when we, we first got there so that's kind of where all the students gathered and we kind of got uh the agenda for the day or yep. whatever and then we yep. had different class we went to different classrooms for different training events about partnering with parents about you know uh leading conversations yep. or whatnot and how we had, long was this thing it was all like day. an all-day thing it was the like hey you're the first time boot camp you're becoming a small group leader wow. kind of event but yeah. i like was, the word boot camp versus meeting yeah oh yeah right I mean, or a training yeah. and then i mean we had lunch in the cafeteria we, did, we yeah. didn't have we didn't have to eat the cafeteria food that's but they brought in some other but stuff but i think great. some of the things that i really thought were valuable were actually the transition pieces between all of what you said so imagine yeah. as an adult getting on a school bus again and you're mm -hmm. putting yourself like you're walking down the aisle of the school bus and you have to figure out who you're gonna sit by yeah oh, all of and it. then oh, yeah. you're you are in the school assembly and then the bell rings and you have to change classes mm -hmm. and figure out where you're going right. yeah. and you don't know who's in your class absolutely and then you go to lunch and you literally pick up the lunch tray like the actual lunch trays that they have in schools and you go through the line and you get your food and then you have to figure out where you're gonna sit in totally. the lunchroom. Like you are, I have chills talking about it because I'm like, what a beautiful yeah. experience to remember. Like, first of all, like probably all the wounds from old school <laughs> right. and all of these scenarios, but like, oh my gosh, like we get to talk to kids who are living this. Yeah. I can't believe we get this opportunity. Well, as adults, we forget what it's like to have someone else make all the decisions for you to tell you what to do, where to go next. And so it's such a good refresher for us to realize where our students are living. Be yeah. forced to participate in PE class forced. when you don't want to. And mm. then we had like a pep rally at the end and everybody's like cheering and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, was, but a day long training, can I just be honest, feels like come on, hell. Come on. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just haven't been to one as good as that y'all are talking about. Yeah. Nor have I ever served in a church that probably had the resources to put on something like this. Yeah. 
right? But, we we could have done without the school bus, could afford it, right? Because the school would let you come for free probably. Right, you drive up there. Yeah, right. and just drive up there. Well, so Andy, yeah. I understand that because it's like, well, if you have three new small group leaders, this feels like a little bit crazy <laughs> of an it, event. It, does. Right. it feels leaders. like a lot, But yeah. you could also do an all, all age groups. It doesn't yeah. have to just be your sixth yep. grade leaders. Or you could partner with other churches in the area That's why I was who are doing the training and all of you do the classes. Um, a partnership would be great as you know as long as you and the other youth pastors before the day of yeah. got together and came yeah. up with what a training would look like yeah. in my previous church prior to transit at north point um we didn't have a recruiting season where there was just one time of year that we recruited small group leaders we we did we had to recruit all the time um whether it was because of growth or lack of commitment in certain mm -hmm. situations and also with a goal of having two or three small group leaders in every group you constantly as the groups grow and you split groups you have to add more and so we would add them throughout the year and i'm sure there are other churches in that situation where yeah. whenever a small group leader was willing to jump in it's like okay let's onboard you now yeah. um and so i think <laughs> for us in that scenario it would have worked better to do a training where sixth and eighth grade leaders were all together because people were jumping in yeah. all the time mm -hmm. and just to be clear like we only did the school thing like it was the second time we had done it like we were still trying to figure out yeah. what a good training looks like before then because even before then it was i think it was like a they came before every the training happened like if you were a nine o'clock leader you came to church at like eight and we had the training and then like you would you could like watch transit and then go home or whatever but it, it was like four weeks of that versus just like one thing Wow. Yeah, and I think the the point here is that what I love and why I kept going back to it uh, that training event is because it was so outside the box. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to, you know, use an entire school and bring a bunch of leaders. It could be three people and it could three leaders and it could be just a walkthrough of a school or it could be you could do something at on a sports field or whatever. I don't know. Or take everyone yeah. to the movie 8th grade and then talk about it afterwards. Totally. It's yeah. just like, hey, what does it look like to get outside of the sanctuary or get outside of the uh, normal things that come to mind when we think, oh, volunteer training. It's the second room on the right, the conference room, grab your seat. You know what I mean? Just yes. kind of getting outside of the box. That, in my opinion, that is the first step of creating a great training event for small group leaders and volunteers. And I do want to circle back to that. So that is obviously just one element of a great training event. What else goes into a great training event for small group leaders and volunteers? Well, let me say this too. You can have the bus in the school and if that content is whack, it's still four yeah. periods of boring lectures mm, or whatever. That's good. And so I think even with what you communicate, thinking about how does that, I think the best thing that I've heard is like any mission has to fight against something, right? Mm. And so I think anytime we're training or whatever, putting that in front of the people that you're leading, right? So like, with college students that I work with now, we know one of the biggest things they fight against is like loneliness, right? So at the beginning of our meeting, it's like, hey, you guys are so important. And if you ever think that you're not, remember that every time you show up to small group and a student shows up, you're fighting loneliness. You're helping to create a safe place for someone who doesn't feel connected to other human beings. This wow. is so deeply important. Cause then it, then it becomes, oh, I'm on a mission. Like I actually am fighting against something and I'm not just, the hall, the door down the road, then I got to go here and sit yeah. and listen to some boring stuff. Like, I think we have to keep the thing that we're fighting against in front of people because then it makes it worth it. That's great. That's really good. 
Ashley, I see you've got your notes pulled up on your phone. What are you thinking? Well, every time that I would plan a um, volunteer training, there were four specific elements that I included in every training. Okay. Um, the first one was a vision piece, like Tyreek was just saying. That's like, good. what is that vision piece? And it can be a sentence. It could be longer than that. It could be an activity, whatever. So there's a vision piece, a community piece. How do we connect the volunteers to each other? Because if they you know, finish serving in our ministry and they leave and don't have a relationship with another adult, then they've missed out on oh. one of the best parts about serving. So vision piece, community piece, a fun piece. I know I said I'm not a fun person, but it, the fun piece could be like even laughing together, like at something that happens or- Or ending the training early. Or yeah, or hey. ending the training early, or playing a game, Just I guess. Joking. Or, you know, Play-Doh. something fun. Play Doh, eighth grade personality, and then um, some meaningful training of some kind, depending on yeah, what it is. That's good. So, vision, community, fun, and meaningful. And that was kind of how um, we organized our trainings. And then for the meaningful piece, there were four different kinds of things that I meant by meaningful. And okay. so the four different things that I would do um, were so like- So the, the fourth thing in your list of four things has four things. Yeah. Okay, wow. got it. We're all Well, tracking. the meaningful training piece would change. So that means it would either be like an age group specific training, like a phase training about that age group. It would be a volunteer job training. So like, what's your job as a small group leader? And that would be like covering partnering with parents and how do you navigate a conversation with teenagers? Um, it would be hard topics training. So mm-hmm. how do good. we talk about consent? <clears throat> with middle school students? Or how do we talk about sex with middle school students? Um, And then it would be personal development. So for example, I remember, you know, we did one, this was when StrengthsFinder was a little bit of a bigger um, deal because Enneagram's kind of taken over now, but it would be like doing Enneagram coach comes in and literally personally develops your small group leaders. That's good. And so that, because the more that they understand themselves and their wiring, the better they are gonna be at understanding their teenagers. Wow. So those were kind of the ways we would organize our trainings. And did you do, so those are fall, four different types of trainings. Would yeah. you try and do all four in a year or did you have you know a plan in mind for those kinds of things? Yeah, I think that, um, I think it's always developing yeah. um, for sure. It's always changing, but yes, always try to hit those four in the year. If and, and you can kind of figure that out if you have a scope and cycle laid out. Like if you know when you're gonna be talking about sex with middle school students, I'm using that because that's who I work with. Yeah. Um, you would plan a training prior to that to prep all of your small group leaders. Hey, here are some questions they're probably gonna ask and let's talk about how we can answer them. Because mm-hmm. how you want them to answer them may, might depend on the age uh, that they're, they're, mm-hmm. um, that the, the small group is, or it could depend on, you know, um, the small group leaders experience or who's in that group or whatever. So how many times a year are you training your leaders? Because I guess for me, I only trained um, in August before we kicked off and then again um, in January for second semester. How many times a year were you training your folks? Um, So every week. So I- What? Yeah, so we only did a few large trainings a few times a year, but every single week we created a culture where the volunteers would come 30 minutes early before the kids started arriving. Oh, and we, we would yeah, do I understand that. Yeah. one of those, like all four of those pieces, a vision for what this service was gonna be about. We would have a community piece where they could connect. We would do something fun. And then we would put in like phase volunteer, a hard topic or person develop, development. And it might be five minutes and that's okay. all it was. So you had all four every Sunday. 
of those elements. Right. The vision piece could be. This hey, is the confusing part, Tyreek, because there's okay. four things, but then four different kinds of trains. There's a lot going on in this Sorry. matrix thing here. But Am I no, making uh, it more? Confusing? No, you're good. I'm just you're trying good. to. Every training had the vision community fun. Uh, and then an actual meaningful training piece element to it. Yes. And that's what you did every single Sunday. But then basically each one of those trainings fell into a category, either age group specific, volunteer okay. job training, hard topic, or okay. personal Thank you for organizing my thoughts. Hey, I'm yes. Enneagram any one right here for you. But it took a long time to develop that culture because okay. initially it would be like, can you guys show up 30 minutes early and nobody would come or one person would show up and then I'd be like, so I totally did this wrong. Yeah. I, one person would show up and be like, well, we'll wait five more minutes. And right. then nobody else would show up, right? And then you're like, well, we'll wait five more minutes. And then the person who showed up on time gets mad. So I started to create this, like, you don't actually have to show up. We'll wait till you show up to start. And so we we just made a decision, our team, we're going to start at this exact time and we're going to close the door when we do. You can come in, but we've already started. Yeah. And so we tried to make it as meaningful as possible. And there was a, like a, we called it um, a moment of impact where mm -hmm. they would get to share some some way that they saw God working, whether it was the kid who never speaks during small group finally answered one question and everyone would be like, yay, that's awesome. Yeah. And we like would encourage them to write it down. Like if you're not looking for the moments of impact, you're gonna miss them. And so that would be our vision piece is, and they would get to share with each other. And what started happening was all the volunteers not only came 30 minutes before, they would come earlier than 30 minutes so they could connect before the actual meeting started. And they hung out together. They hung out that's together. Nice. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. That's great. I think it's it's hard for me to ma imagine that because the meeting every Sunday, it's hard for me to imagine the meetings every Sunday because in my current church, it's so small. Everybody in the church is doing all the things mm -hmm. from serving the communion to doing the offering to taking out the trash. Like we take turns taking out the trash in our church. We have no paid staff. So it's hard for me to think as a youth pastor, am I going to add that to their plate? Right. And if it's not already bringing value because they've already taken out the trash, they swept the floor, you know, they've refreshed the bathrooms. And then I'm asking them to come 30 more minutes. There's a difference between asking them to come do something versus at, like inviting them to be part mm. of something. Yeah. And so I think it really is a culture thing because if you if they feel like, oh, I have to do this versus, oh, I don't want to miss it. There's such a difference. That's of posture. so good. Yeah. So uh, if you if you could go back, Ashley, you would recommend or you would continue with those like weekly bite sized, if you will, training training styles. It worked for our environment. I don't know if that would work for every environment, um, but we loved it and like we retained volunteers. Mm. Yeah. We had and I, this is awful to say, but we had more volunteers than we needed. Mm because people wanted to be part of that. How long did it take you to get to that point? Um, it probably took two years. Okay. Yeah. To so, really build that. And then it was, it wasn't even me running it. Yeah. Like it was all the volunteers felt like they had like ownership. And I, I don't know, it was, it was so amazing. But we also had like this private Facebook group and that's how we would communicate all the time outside of it. And we would do fun things. Like somebody would be like, hey, I'm going to see this movie. Who wants to come? Oh, wow. And so like, like, we would hang out connected. outside. Yeah. That's really There's cool. like 56 wow, volunteers and everybody's contributing all the time to that Facebook group. That's great. They would come to that meeting. And of course there are people who either were new and didn't understand that or didn't re really want to be part of it. They didn't end up lasting, yeah. to be honest. Because if they didn't, like it was like, this was what the culture, the the culture that was built, and it started with a ton of conversations of a core group of people like, what do we want this to be like? And how do we create that? It was not That's just good. me and it wasn't wasn't just her staff. 
I want to go back to something you just said though a minute ago, Ashley. You said I wasn't even running it, and I think that's a a key phrase there too because I think a lot of this sounds like a whole other thirty minute you know before thing that now you're having to think about programming for that thirty minutes too. Like mm-hmm. I could see. I can picture youth leaders just feeling, oh, another thing. But yeah. this really is a piece that you could uh, delegate to, you know, someone else on your team or a small group leader who's crushing it or who's mm-hmm. needs it or maybe a small, small group leader who needs uh, or wants to take a break from leading small groups of students, but is ready to pour into small group leaders, that yeah. kind of a thing. Uh, if you're interested in, and you're listening or watching, uh, we did an episode two episodes ago about about small group leader coaches. And I think this is a great uh, piece that I think coaches could even pour into and help uh, arrange and organize for small group leaders and, and volunteers. Do you dis- disagree, Ashley? No, not at all. I was actually thinking like, you know how it's kind of this joke, whether it should be or shouldn't be that like the the Sunday after Christmas, it's like youth pastor preaching Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the youth pastor usually, or the senior pastor is usually off because mm-hmm. they just preached all the Christmas. Well, it's like this huge joke, right? But for those of you who have ever been given the opportunity to preach in your big service, your main service, um, what is there a difference between if the lead pastor's there and versus if they're not? Like if they're not there and you're filling in for them versus they're there and they're gonna be there and they're literally just giving you the platform and they're there to cheer you on. Mm-hmm. The same thing is true with volunteer culture. Like how much more the volunteers felt valued when I didn't yeah. just ask them to sub for me, but I asked them to lead it and I was there too. Yeah. And they were leading me. That's good. That's real good. Cause I, awesome. I've been the pitch hitter in the mm-hmm. youth pastor. Doesn't feel preaching. good, right? You said, no, because you, you said pinch hitter? Yeah. Okay, oh, just, just clarify. Is that what I said? Yeah, you're good. I don't I'm, know I'm, sports analogies no, 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 very well. Good. I don't I'm just, sport. I'm just, okay. I am just don't, making don't sure the word and phrase everybody yeah. heard was pinch hitter. Yeah, but yeah, I've been good. that person that had to preach the Sunday after Christmas and people don't even come because they're like, Pastor Scott's not here or Pastor John's not here. Andy Stanley's not we here. We ain't coming. We're not going to be there. So I love that you sat on the front row, cheered your people on and was such an encourager. I think that means a lot to youth pastors who feel like they have to do all the things all the time. What if their job was just to to cheer other people on? Well, and I think that when your volunteers get used to it being a shared effort, then it doesn't matter who's not going to be there because yeah. they know that they all need to be there for each other. And I think one thing that you keep that you keep hitting on is that like your four year volunteer, shout out to Jeff Henderson, his book four, you should check it out. Yeah, we're, we're reading that now. But it's that's the thing. He was like. How do you add value to the people that you serve and the people that, and your customers? And I think mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like if every meeting I feel like you're trying to add value to me, like I want to be there. You know what I mean? And I think that's the the biggest thing that people have to start was like, why are we doing this? And how can we add value to volunteers? That's good. So uh, I I don't want to you know be redundant or anything, but I do want to ask one more time because Ashley just kind of shared the whole four and four. Uh, piece. I want to make sure that there's nothing else that uh, Charlie or Tyreek that you have to share uh, about what else goes on to a great training event for leaders and volunteers. I think the youth pastor has to know what the vision for their ministry is. If mm-hmm. they don't even know, how then can they lead other people to understand what their vision is and what they're supposed to be doing? So I think a lot of homework is on the youth pastor to make sure they're solid in what the need is for their ministry and where they're wanting to go. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing, just making sure that you talk about things that are actually relevant to them, Mm -hmm. especially if it's the hard things, um, because they're having those conversations. Like one of the things that we talked about with a safe space um, was like we're predominantly white ministry, but we have students of other 
races that come to our ministry, right? And so to create a safe place, you need to see all of your students. So you need to, don't come in here like, oh, I'm just gonna treat everyone the same. No, like that shapes everyone's experience and it gives you a, uh, you can love them in a specific way when you see those things. And I think that could be something where they be like, oh, we don't wanna talk about race because it's challenging or whatever, whatever, I don't wanna say the wrong thing. But your leaders are experiencing this. They may, or they drop the ball, a kid is hurt, and they don't even realize that they've done it. And so I think that stuff like that is the stuff they're like, oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. I, I, I didn't know how to say it, but that helped me out. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's good. So I want to circle back uh, to something, Charlie, you brought up a few minutes ago that we I think is worth diving into just a little bit more. Um, that I think sometimes when we think about great training events, we also think expensive training events. Mm -hmm. So what are some lower cost ways we can really create engaging training events for our leaders? I know uh, Ashley already brought up, I mean, it doesn't cost anything to meet 30 minutes earlier uh, before your mm -hmm. program starts, uh, all the way up to you know running out of facility or something like that. There are a lot of things in between here. Do you three have any ideas uh, for a church who's trying to figure out, hey, what can I do uh, to create something engaging here. Well, I'm thinking if your volunteers are serving and not getting to attend a service, what about providing a space for them to worship and having a time of like communion among them if they're not getting a chance to do that with the body of the church because they are mm. serving. Mm. That's, that's good. good. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, yeah, I would reiterate that my wife and I have uh, a one-year-old. And so it's been, it's, it's, really, really difficult for us to actually attend a service mm. because when we're at church, we're serving and yeah. then, you know, we can't leave them in the nursery for two, you know, two services back to back or something like that. It's like four hours, all that kind of stuff. So I totally resonate with that. And I will amen that to you, Charlie. So it doesn't cost anything yeah. to provide worship, right? Yeah. Asking your worship band to come in, do a couple songs. That's good. Yeah. All right. Anybody good. else lower cost ways we can really pour into and train our volunteers? Um. Well, I mean, Rethinking Youth Ministry. We do episodes that are are really, really helpful for small group leaders, for sure. parents. Some of them are specific to ministry leaders and others are, you know, helpful for all the different groups. And we've heard so many youth workers who take one of the podcasts, for example, like the one on self-harm mm -hmm. and send it to all their volunteers, have all their volunteers yeah. listen to it. And then they have a conversation about it, yeah. whether the conversation's in person or the conversation is on a Facebook group or a text thread, whatever it is, it that's a great free yeah. way to invest in your volunteers, to set them up to win, especially after like, a school shooting or yeah. you know a tragedy happens like to really equip your small group leaders with a free resource where they can get their mind and heart in a place that's a healthy place to lead students from yeah. i think that's awesome i would love to mention again the trainings that you can do online um, mm -hmm. value your volunteers time if they have kids sports just driving across town some days is a chore. So maybe it's not getting them all in the room together, but maybe this training is going to be online. Yeah. And you provide them. I think that is a really great way to serve your team. Is is it bad because maybe I don't want to show up anymore? Is that why I'm saying this? <laughs> well, no, no I, but yeah. Yeah, like you can do a Zoom meeting or whatever. Right. I know when um when I was at a church before I was at North Point, that's what we would do. Like I'd be like, yeah. all right, y'all, we're gonna meet at this time. And I think one of the biggest things you can do is end and start on time. Like I think that's Ooh. that's free, you know. And I think I'll it's, amen that too. And it and it shows them that you do value their time. Like, listen, yeah. if I say we're gonna be here for forty five minutes, when it's forty five minutes, we're done. Yeah, yeah. See y'all later. So good. Um, and so I think that's just something that's free that can honor somebody's time. 
Yeah. And I'll, I'll throw in there, you know, we talked about uh, creating trainings on some hard topics. Well, there are a lot of hard topics that maybe as a ministry leader, you don't feel equipped to talk about. And that is where you can make some asks or ask around the church if anyone knows a counselor, that kind of a thing to talk about, uh, you know, self-harm or talk about uh, suicide or talk about these things. And it could be as small as, hey, can you record a five minute video on what you would want uh, people who work with eighth grade students to know about mm. uh, the suicide rate and that kind of a thing. Or it could be inviting them to come share with your small group leaders. Like there's there's a scale there too where you can make some asks and make some smaller asks and some larger asks to uh, create some engaging uh, training pieces. That's really good. good. And off of that, I would also say one thing, the same way that you would practice a talk in front of somebody, we used to rehearse meetings and trainings and mm -hmm. we would we would perform or perform or practice our parts in front of people and they would give us feedback. That's boring, take that out, that doesn't make sense. That way when you're standing in front of the people, it's not your first time going mm -hmm. through the material. And That's so, really good. That's yeah. so yeah. good. Preparation is free, people. And, and if you're cool. not leveraging Facebook groups, youth pastor Facebook groups, you need to be. Like in the search box, if you wanna do a training about this topic, see if somebody's posted a free training about it or yeah. a certain video they use or something they've done or ask the question and get the thread going. Yeah. You have like so many youth pastors and youth workers at the tips of your fingers, like lean into their expertise or their experience. Yeah, I know in our Orange Students Facebook group, uh, people are sharing uh, you know, resources and stuff they've created all the time. So that is a, a shameless plug, but a great resource, truly. Charlie. I've got to circle okay. back to you. All right. Uh, how are you feeling about small group leader and volunteer trainings now? I know at the beginning of this episode, you were you were a foot on the brake because you've you'd experienced them and experienced some maybe not so great ones. Well, I think as a youth pastor, I thought I was doing a killer job, and now I'm sitting here listening to all of these ideas, um, the starting and ending on time, practicing. <laughs> Hello, I don't know that I ever practiced my content <laughs> in front of somebody. I probably shoulda yeah. now that I'm sitting here, and I love. <laughs> Tyreek's like, yeah, yeah, you really shoulda. Really <laughs> but I'm also loving all the things that Ashley said. Like, there's four key things, and this is they were consistent in that content of the trainings could have made a difference too, right? I just wish I had more resources and knew that there were resources to help me be better at the trainings. Charlie, I just have to start off by saying, um, you are literally one of the best youth pastors I have ever known in my entire life. And I also wanna say to you that you, you're saying, you had these four things that you, I'm sitting here thinking, there are a million things I would do different too. Right. I just didn't know, which is why we have these conversations. What are we yeah. learning? What did we learn? What do we wish we would have known? Like, what do we still struggle with? Because I think every single person listening is in that boat. But I think being a youth pastor is different than just knowing how to lead a team well, too. Yeah, that's true. Right. When I first started, I only had five kids, so I was doing all the things. And yeah. so I wish I would have quit myself better to lead a team once I developed a team. Mm. Yeah, wow. And then I think now on the flip side of it as the volunteer, I think I would be more inclined to attend a training if it was more specific on what the focus is. Please yeah. do not make me come and sit and tell me what time youth ministry starts. I know I come every week. I know what time dinner is, right? This is the logistics again. But teach me something. Teach me how to react to a yeah. ninth grader when they say they're cutting. Teach me how to talk to parents and connect better with parents, yeah. right? Um, parents who aren't like me, who yeah. students yeah. who aren't like me, that don't mm. look like me and act like me. Teach me those things because that's the training I want to come to. And I think if it's part of the initial ask, it's a different story. So for example, like when you're talking to a potential leader, 
for your ministry. You may tell them, hey, we want you to come to the retreats or the camps or Mm -hmm. on the mission trip or whatever. Here are the dates of when they happen throughout the year. But we also have a a 30 minute before every ministry training, or we have a quarterly half day training or whatever it is for your ministry. Mm -hmm. This is when they happen. And then this is what we cover. Like if I were to give you a whole, like basically scope and cycle for the expectations and how we're going to pour into you and equip you for the year. And you see that it all makes sense and leads to each other. You're like, oh, it seems like this is a like purposeful. Right. Mm -hmm. I I think I probably should value it too. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's good. That's really good. Uh, well, as we wrap up, I want to I want to hear if you uh, three have any final thoughts or maybe resources uh, to continue uh, equipping ministry leaders who want to put on great events for their volunteers. I want to talk about a resource called Weekly. Um, in my 15 years of student ministry, I didn't know this resource existed. Same girl. Same. Weekly is the best resource I've ever found um, as a ministry coach to point other people to. There's so many ways that you can lead your leaders, equip your leaders, and then ideas on how to have fun with your leaders. And so I think weekly is an incredible resource. That's good. That's good. Tyreek, do you have anything? You'd- I think my final thoughts is like, if you're not excited about it, they're not gonna be excited about it. Ooh, so take good. the time to like know your material, take the time to mm. ask, why does this matter? and take the time to say, okay, how can I communicate this in an engaging way? Um, and I think that people will value that and end and start on time. That's the biggest thing, yeah. Yeah. end and start on time. Well, since I work on the Orange Students Curriculum team, I'm gonna resort to that because if you are a subscriber of the curriculum, in all of the resources, there's a section on a lot of the guides, on the small group leader guide, the worship leader guide, the communicator guide, the parent cues. It's called Think About This, and it's a phase cue for all of those people of, hey, before you go into this conversation with teenagers today, here's what you need to know about developmentally what's going on with them. And so when we would have our 30 minutes before meeting, we would look at that phase cue. We would have one person in the room read it out loud and have a small conversation about it before sending them out to be with the teenagers. And so it was already part of the curriculum. It's already there. It's just a matter of highlighting it and using, like showing everybody how valuable this piece of information is. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. And while that's in the curriculum, I'll make a plug for, we, we, we create some free stuff as well. We've got free phase videos. I know middle school has some, and I think high school is working on them too, but uh, they're out there and we'll link to them in our show notes at rethinkingym.org. Um, but they're little phase videos about, uh, you know, what's going on in the world of a sixth grade student, a seventh grade student, an eighth grade student. And those are really great, easy turnkey uh, training pieces, truly, mm-hmm. uh, that you can access and share with your volunteers. We also have here at Orange a resource called the MVP box, uh, which you can check out uh, through the Orange store. Um, but MVP uh, stands for uh, messaging for volunteers and parents. And in that box, there are done for you training events and materials for obviously parents, but a lot of stuff in there for volunteers as well, uh, because small group leaders and parents are the MVPs of your I ministry. I attended an MVP training. Did you? And cool. it was, as a volunteer, the best put together training I'd been okay. to. Oh, wow. Yeah, as a volunteer, that was the best one. Wow. So, and that's not a shameless plug. That's a legit happening well charlie thank you for the endorsement as not just an orange uh staffer but someone who actually attended one of these as a a civilian civilian (laughs) Civilian. (laughs) that works 
Yeah, that's fine. We'll just end like that. Uh, and we will wrap things up on that note. I want to say, uh, if you want links to any of the stuff we were talking about, uh, including uh, Jeff Henderson's book that Tyreek yep, mentioned earlier, we'll have a link to that at rethinkingym.org. Uh, that's where our show notes live, our resource links, and other episodes that you can listen to and watch. And on that note, I want to thank you three for joining us and thank you for watching and listening to this week's episode of Rethinking Youth Ministry. We'll talk to you later.